Welcome to Get Real KC with Jen and Eric. Kansas City's consumer-facing real estate podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Get Real KC, where we are overflowing with a passion for all things real estate. I'm Eric Jurgensen. And I'm Jen Justice. And I'm Becky Mullies. And we are here with the March 1st, 2024 episode of Today's Dream. A look at what's going on in the Kansas City regional real estate market and a little bit about what's going on in our own businesses. Happy March. <laughs> Spring! The weather has been bipolar crazy. Yeah, hasn't it? I mean, and if you're like me, then you get to separate, se- separate, celebrate our leprechaun day and our ginger hair <laughs> this month. Woohoo! Go gingers if you're out there. I, I, <laughs> Just had to give highlights. Had to. Why, I mean, I'm all for celebrating gingers. Why are we celebrating gingers hair? St. Patrick's um, Day. St. Patrick's oh, okay. Day. That's all Irish it day. Irish. <laughs> I'm all for it. I'm Snake a, Saturday's coming up. You know. <laughs> the, the wife's a ginger. I'm I'm in. So that's <laughs> what it I'm in. I'm expecting presents and cakes and all Pre- the what? things. What? <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. That's okay. That's nuts. Um, <laughs> presents and cakes. Do beads count? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's Mardi Gras you're talking about. They have beads for St. Patrick's Day. Oh, do they? Come right. on. You've never been to the Snake Saturday Parade? I don't I do haven't been. parades and stuff very much. So. Oh. Oh, I've been so many times. I've lost uh, I, I was, I, I'm probably I, not going this year, but here's here's a here's a ahead. funny story I'm going to tell on my brother since we're on St. Patrick's Day. That so he was down at the you know parade which we have here in Kansas City every year. Big deal. We have a huge Irish that one a lot too community, and uh, it was during a school day, and and school didn't <laughs> let out, of course. But my brother he did school. Oh, I did too. And then he uh, <laughs> apparently the story goes is is that he uh, he had uh, a little bit to drink. Right. And uh, he's running through the crowd going, kiss me, I'm Irish. Right. (laughs) And apparently he says, kiss me, I'm Irish and turns around and there's my father standing there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just hilarious. Hilarious. I don't even know if he got in any serious trouble or not. Oh, That's fantastic. I'm happy to say I have not done that personally. So. I anyway, don't think I've ever done the kiss me on Irish, but uh, I am well, actually Irish, but you, you were, Irish, German, all the things. You were never know. probably a 17-year-old boy that was drunk, you know, at the parades. No, so. I have never been a drunk 17-year-old boy. Yeah, so, so I hear somewhere okay, around back that. back to real estate now, friends. That's right. Maybe we should cut this whole intro and start again. <laughs> All right, let's talk about what's going on in the Kansas City market. So we'll start with what we typically start with, which is let's let's crunch some numbers. Let's look at the stats. Uh, what are you going to start with Clay County? We do that a lot. We could, or we could start with the whole greater. Oh yeah, uh, let's HMLS do the greater area. I was going to do uh, yeah. all of the counties that we serve. I think we're up to about forty counties uh, that they're measuring these days, and uh, agents that we're serving about thirteen thousand agents, I believe, give or take a little bit on that, but. Uh, Let's look at closed price first, as a, or I'm sorry, closed sales first, as we frequently do. And they're actually down about 5% year to date from the same time last year. We're at 1,802 sales mm-hmm. cumulatively. So Cumul- we're down. Well, that's cumulative. That's only January. These are January's numbers. It's about 100, though. 100, about 100, 100 less, less. 100 less sales at, at the same time last year. And so... When you see headlines that continue to talk about downturns in housing, they're really talking about reduced sales, not price. And the reason for reduced sales, primary, the primary reason for reduced sales? 
No inventory. No inventory. Yeah. So people aren't selling their homes. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Oh, yeah. That, more um, than a couple, but... There's two big uh, ones. Some primary reasons, Right. Yeah. The two big ones are uh, the interest rate gain. And so people aren't interested in financing a new home at a much, much higher interest rate if they got something really great uh, post-lockdown. Yep. Uh, there in 2020, 2020, 2021, where you could get easily under five and in many cases oh, under yeah. three. Oh, yeah. We're talking people that are locked in at two, three... Yeah. Probably two and three, four on the high side in that right. time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the other day um, I had a client lock in at 5.99. That's not too bad for that's right that's now. That's pretty that's good. good. We were really, really happy with the way that things worked out for them to lock in. And they were able to close a 30-year fixed at 5.99. So really the, happy with that. The second reason, the second primary reason, the large reason why there's no inventory available is because uh, – People who would traditionally sell their home and potentially downsize aren't doing it. And the main reason why they're not doing it is is because there's there was that huge two-year jump in property values. I was going to say, people don't want to sell if they've got so much appreciation already in their property. Well, that I mean, they would love to take the appreciation out, but the problem yeah, is, is that you've exactly. got to rebuy. They and so. Re-buy. So they're in a position where if they sell, now they're rebuying, but what they're rebuying isn't a whole lot less than what they bought at the time they mm-hmm. bought it. Although I'm getting a lot of people just, they've been in that holding pattern. Yeah, Interest I, rates have started to drop. I think these February, March, so on, so forth numbers, when we get those rolling in, I really think we're going to start to see some change here because in the last 30 days alone, I have had two build clients that are rocking and rolling on it. They're ready to go. They waited. You know, some of them, they, they kind of thought they weren't going to move, but then they're like, you know what? No, no, no. We're just going. We're just going. So, I, well, and um, I do, I do and believe that's just me as one agent. So. We'll have some more inventory, but I also think demand is going to rise with it. Mm-hmm. So, even though we'll have more inventory, True. we'll have more. I, and, sales. We, and we've been saying that, you know, yeah. don't be waiting on the interest rates because you can refinance. That's right. Yeah. Date the rate, marry the house, as yeah. we've said. Absolutely. So, yeah. All right, so that's the that's the number of homes that are being sold. What else is going on? Talk Average about sale price has increased three point seven percent. So we went from three hundred and twelve thousand seven hundred and seventeen dollars to three hundred twenty four thousand three oh seven in our uh, Greater Kansas City area here. So that's a jump of twelve percent in average. No, uh, no, no, no. Three, three, three I mean twelve thousand. Yeah, oh, twelve thousand in average. Uh, a little over 3%. Yeah, so modest, very modest, mm-hmm. I should yeah. say. Yeah, and that's modest. year over year, right? Yeah. Okay, and yep, and then what we say traditionally that you should expect a 3 to 5% gain annually on your house, and that fit right in. Um, yep. 3.7, you said? Yep. Yep. On the median side, uh, we went from 260,250 to 275,000 flat, which is an increase of 5.7%. Okay, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about average and median here in a second. Let's take a look at what's going on in Johnson, uh, Jackson County, Missouri, right? Okay. The core of the city. And uh, we're seeing uh, closed sales down about 5.7%, so a little bit less, but 548 in Jackson County. With an average sales price of 284000 and change and a median of 2395 So let's talk a little bit about average and median and why it's so important when you're looking at these housing numbers and letting them affect you that you really understand what things are talking about. Right. Uh, 
Jen just mentioned the general. I mentioned Jackson County. We'll look at another one here in a minute. But very specifically, county by county, there's going to be a lot of differences between the counties across the metro. And then, to be honest, neighborhood by neighborhood. So if you really are interested in getting these numbers broken down and say what's really going on in the specific interest area I'm interested in, give us a shout, right? We're always... Break down neighborhoods, zip et cetera, codes. right? All the things. That but, was my mailer just But in this month. case, right, average and median. So average is you take all the numbers. Let's say you've got uh, 20 numbers, and, or, or in this case, 548. <laughs> but you've got 20 numbers to make the math simple. You add the total up of whatever all those 20 sale prices are, and then you divide by 20. That's how you get an average. Mm-hmm. Median's a little bit different. Median is if we have 20 sales, which one is right in the middle? Right. What is the number that is 10 or 11? And actually what they do is they take those two and average it. But it doesn't matter. (laughs) Right. What's the number right in the middle? Now, why is this important? Well, average can get skewed often or not. I I mean, oftentimes average can be skewed because there's outliers either way above um, what's kind of the would it, I get anomaly, I guess, or uh, majority of them, or like there could be properties that are way under value, for example, if it was a house that's a fixer upper, and it could be way under value. In but you can only go under so far until yeah, you well, hit zero, exactly right? But right. you, the, the sky is the limit though. in prices, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're, when you're talking about something that is, you know, uh, uh, an, an average sales price, of what did I say? Two hundred and eighty-four thousand in Jackson right. County, and if somebody's selling a million-dollar home, that skews the numbers. So median, right? Which is really half the homes are above and half the homes are below that are, have been sold on this amount, and that might be a smarter number to look at when you're trying to figure out what's going on in the market. And you will always, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to think about it for a second. <laughs> uh, always in Kansas City. And there might be, you know, I suppose if we isolated Mission Hills or something, but there, the median's always going to be lower, right? I, mean, I suspect we could play with numbers a little bit and find a scenario where maybe the median would be higher, but that would be incredibly unusual. Yeah. Um, so look at your median as well. And so... Well, given- you know, appraisers are having this difficulty right now, too, because quite frankly, there's just not that many sales. Right, yeah. which makes from it hard a, to from appraise. From a historic perspective, you know, the market is in a place that we've been here for a little while, but unseasonably not very many properties to choose from. And right. so, you know, especially when you're talking about these numbers of 275, 324, uh, you know, when that comes about, you don't have good comps because you don't have very many and you got 10 to 15 buyers probably pushing that price up mm-hmm. because of demand. Right. Supply and demand. I mean, we're still in this scenario where this is happening. Um, and so it is wise to look at that median just to kind of get a feel for it. But just like real estate appreciation has done over the course of most of our lifetimes here, uh, I think we've had, you know, the weird 08 bubble right. of mortgage nonsense that should have never went on and that should have never happened. And we've tried to clean that up within the industry. But real estate appreciates. That's right. That's what it does. It's just... One of those great investments you can make. Have you uh, have you pulled up Clay County? What's going on in Clay? We always we always give up Clay because that's where our I office is. I got Clay. So we got a pretty good sized increase in number of closed sales in Clay County. We do have 
the anomaly of unincorporated Clay County sitting outside of the city of Kansas City, Missouri. And thank goodness for that right now, friends, because the city of Kansas City <laughs> is at the lowest permit numbers it's been at in a decade. Mm-hmm. And the ordinances that they've passed and the international building codes that they want to try and hold people to have completely flushed the builders out of the Kansas City market. Yeah, so Kansas City is not seeing growth, but that nope, is helping. Not in, not in the not residential in the housing city. market. Right. And, but but that, in other areas. That helps residential uh, in, in a variety of other places. So Clay County is All not, that to say, not we have just some Kansas City and unincorporated, up though. north and unincorporated Clay that are booming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're pushing prices up and up 20%. Point four percent. So sales have actually increased year we over year in Clay County. Went from one fifty seven to one eighty nine, nice. which is saying something with yeah. you know sales right now. Twenty point four percent. As far as the average sales price, we went from three hundred four eighty to three thirty one nine forty six, which is a nine point two percent increase. And uh, your median, which we were just talking about, the value of looking at that went from two eighty to two hundred and ninety five, which is a five point four percent increase. I do want to say though, days on the market, which again I think bodes to this new construction market more than anything, because I'm really seeing a lot of new construction come around these unincorporated areas. Prairie Fire is a subdivision. Uh, there's another one. Um, oh gosh, it was a beautiful place. I, uh, Cadence. Cadence is the name of it. We've got a couple of cadences around the Kansas City, Missouri, but there's one over there. It's just gorgeous. But I think those new construction numbers, uh, days on market went up 22% uh, from 36 to 44. And I think that new construction's playing a part in sure, that. Because they, when I'm seeing yeah. these 295, 331 houses, I'm still seeing them fly off the shelf in days. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with you. I will say, though, like, I mean, it is obvious that there was a slight slowdown because, I mean, all of the numbers in terms of like our metrics that we have, all of them have gone up in Clay County, except for inventory and pending sales. Those are the only two that have gone down. But supply is actually up, which is just showing and reflecting the fact that houses are sitting on the market longer. Um, And so there's definitely it's Notable that there was definitely a slowdown in comparison to 2023, but like Jen said, I do think it's a big deal of construction. I've got people mm-hmm. who are talking about not buying and just building because they just don't want to get into the competitive market, except then you get into land buying and all of that. Or so. builder's choices <laughs> or now, whatever I will, you want to I get I will tell you right. this, though. Pending sales... Mm-hmm. is really a precursor of what's going uh-huh. to happen in the next month. Exactly right? right. And when we look at the general, the KC Metro, pending sales are down year over year 11%. So although, you know, we're talking about uh, certainly Clay County uh, selling more, but they did it on less inventory. Yep, pending yeah. sales actually went down 23% in Clay County. So 282 I think to 216. This mm-hmm. is what tells us the inventory problem is still going to exist, which we anticipate it will for some time. And, you know, like we've said, um, if if you wait for the bandwagon of rates that, you know, maybe creep down into the mid fives, if we get that lucky by the end of the year, uh, you're going to be looking at tougher competition for a a continued um, inventory shortage. Out of curiosity, why do you guys think that um, like I know in comparison to last year, I know I was mentoring primarily at this time but even whenever I went to all the showings with you Eric we were doing showings on top of showings and um, offers were very competitive at that time but interest rates were higher at that point so why do you think the market has hit this random slowdown even though interest rates are dropping what is the reason for 
this decline, even though interest rates are now favoring buyers more than they were. Season. We've gone back to a cyclical market a little bit. I mean, traditionally, real estate is seasonal. Yeah, and, and so December, no January is pretty slow. Yeah, a few think, years back though, I remember January just being like, "Whoa, I don't know what <laughs> happened here," but uh, it was crazy. And you know, uh, well, that's I guess, good for anyone who well, was involved. Well, and I think. I, I think uh, you know we can really get into cause and effect, and I can blame all the politicians. But but uh, uh, there was uh, the media doing a lot. There was a ton of uncertainty uh-huh. about what was going on with the economy. Right, recession. The word was being thrown yeah. around left and right mm-hmm. throughout the media. Yep. And um, and uh, there was no. Uh, it wasn't obvious what the Fed was going to do with interest rates. Right. But now, right, we found out that we weren't actually in a recession and that uh, it doesn't, you know, uh, inflation has been curbed. Right. We've talked Mm -hmm. about it before. The Fed did its job. Interest rates are starting to come back down. So I think confidence is up. Right. People are just being less cautious uh, with their long term. So I think that's a big factor as well. Okay. So it's an excellent question. I do want to jump over to Platt because I think this is a little wild given the Clay County because they're right next door to each other. Right. Pretty much playing the same sandbox, for lack of a better term. Close sales in Platte County is down 15%. Wow. And the, the numbers themselves Ooh, are astoundingly a lot lower. Okay? So we were in the hundreds over in Clay. We are from 84 last year to 71 this year. So, I mean, they just have nothing. Huh. Not a not an iota, hardly. You know? And then you look at their um, percentage of average sales price and then we'll go to median. So we got 365, 360 to 427, 253. So 17% basically increase on your average. And then your median, almost a 20% increase from 314 to 375. Those are big jumps yeah, in appreciation. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and, 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 you know, and, we were talking over here, this is nominal comparatively. I mean, we're talking about nine and four and then we jump over to plat and we're talking about 17 and 20 so we're, i mean crazy a, right a, i mean a direct reflection of the um lack of inventory and the increased demand and yep. i know that they're building uh chapel hill i believe is the name of the subdivision is an unincorporated plat county and i just heard from i'm good friends with uh brian over there and, and some of the developers and then some of the builders even and agents over there and the uh kansas city deal is really benefiting them mm. they are gonna start pulling permits like gangbusters <laughs> yeah. yeah and so um you know We're we'll busting ghosts like ghostbusters we'll probably <laughs> Sorry, everyone. What what it's allowing other well, what's sort of happening, I think, with the new subdivisions in areas that are outside of the Kansas City city limits is it's uh, continue to create a disparity in housing values, right? Because new homes, right? Your average builder is not building new homes that are um, what we would call attainable, right? yeah. just because of the cost, and then it doesn't make sense to. For, to typically build smaller homes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make, it, if I can build a uh, 2,000 square foot home and turn a, whatever that profit is, 5% profit margin, but then I can do a uh, 3,500 square foot home and my profit margin goes to 8 or 9 or 10% because of just, you know, um, the uh, the ability to bulk buy and, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. The, it doesn't make sense for a builder who's in business to make money like we all yeah. are to build 
2,000 square foot homes, which might be a little bit more attainable. Yeah. Right. So they're building the, you know, the, the, the all the subdivisions you mentioned are all $500,000 homes. Right. And, and more, more. And more. Uh, I yeah. know Chapel Hill Estates is going to be well under the millions of dollars. Yeah. So so that brings averages and medians up. So uh, just kind of interesting stuff. Um, we, we've got a handful of things going on. One of the things you mentioned, and I want to talk a little bit about uh, how important this is that uh, you, the realtor you're dealing with is, is aware of this, is um, scarcity of sales creates some problems when it comes to trying to figure out what an appropriate value is for a house that you're either buying or selling, mm -hmm. right? And so we spent a lot of time on our brokerage recently uh, as, as a team going over strategies that we haven't had to use uh, for quite some time to appropriately uh, uh, provide a market analysis for what's going on on what, you know, what would be a suggested listing price that we think is a fair and equitable that's going to meet a, an appraiser's uh, assessment as well, uh, et cetera. And so one of the factors that we're taking into account that we didn't really have to take into account is scarcity of sales in the area. Yeah. So uh, let's take a, a, a pretty decent-sized neighborhood that anybody can think of. We'll probably end up picking one up north because we know the Northland a little bit better. But, I mean, you could just Clay take – Well, you I'm could just take Waldo for that matter. <laughs> Waldo's a great neighborhood uh, to, to discuss. When there is a lot of housing movement in Waldo, uh, which is down, you know, 75th and Warnell, that area um, in Kansas City – um, then you have a lot of comparable sales to be able to go, uh, yeah, this is how this house stacks up against these houses. These have very recently gone for X amount, so I can make adjustments and find out what you know maybe a suggested listing price is. When there are no sales in Waldo and the surrounding neighborhoods, then that's much, much harder to do. Furthermore, anybody who wants to live in that area Right, particularly if it's a desirable area like Waldo frequently typically is, um, that will increase demand. So you can go, well, look, I'm pulling all of this stuff, but some of it's older, some of it's much harder to compare because you know different bedrooms, different layouts, not a ranch, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then you go, but based on all of that and all the adjustments we've been taught to make and everything, we think that this is. And then you have to go, well, hang on a minute. There are no houses available in Waldo. Yeah. And so if, in fact, we're going to put this on the market, we know we're going to get demand and that's going to increase our asking price. Mm -hmm. And so it's very important that your realtor understands a lot of these concepts, can walk you through how they got to a suggested sales price. And remember, it's suggested you're the boss. Uh, it's, and I always tell my clients this. I say, look, yes, I'm making a guess. It's an educated guess. Yeah. But it's still a guess because you never know exactly who's going to come knocking on the door and how much money they're willing to spend. Yeah. So make sure you're vetting your realtor and that they're taking all these things into consideration when you're asking them for opinions on price. Yeah, price is definitely tricky with the lack of sales out there. And, you know, sometimes the market just bears way more than anybody ever thought it would, depending on the location and mm -hmm. a lot of different factors. 
All right. Well, that's a lot about what's going on in in the Kansas City metro market uh, in real estate. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on in our own businesses. Uh, and uh, Becky, you've got something really kind of neat going on, and it's also something that we should probably share with our listeners that it's a service we can provide as well. So, t- tell us a little bit about what uh, what you got a family member. So. Um Recently, my brother gave me a call, and he just asked me to kind of tell him, and he's out of town, just so you guys know. I was born in Wichita, moved around all over, so um, anyways, I've got a lot of family in Wichita, and so he told me that he was interested in getting into the buying process, and he wanted to use me, but I told him that I will not drive four hours for showings. That is not in my desired field. However, we do have a very strong referral network, and so... Um, although I've got close relationships and I know Jen and Eric the same, we ended up um, referring him to an agent who he actually had a relationship with as well. And then um, he went, got a loan, and this just this is just a boast about the market over there. He went, got a loan, and the next day after he got a loan was under contract on a house. So he that's was just- an excited. Homebuyer, ready, willing, <laughs> and able to go. Yeah, well, he was... Because of Becky's thing. great education, quite frankly. He, well, he was very hesitant. He said that he was thinking he was going to wait until the summertime, and I'm sure he would be okay with me sharing these details. But he said he was going to wait till the summertime, and I kind of explained to him what, like, the reason why I kind of think that he should get into it now, and it's, it's because the slower months, less competition. He already had a perspective, and maybe this helps, but he had perspective properties already interested in, and so for him to just wait, it kind of seemed like a lost opportunity, and especially given the fact that his loan could extend out past the summertime, and so why not just get that loan now, have a clear future? But anyways, all that to just say that um, recently I've just been working on building my ref- network and um, I know our brokerage has already got really strong relationships across the nation so to, just to kind of um, uh, tighten that up right wrap put a bow <laughs> on it um, if you are listening uh, from out of the area or you know somebody from out of the area that uh, is looking to make a real estate move first of all send them the podcast yeah the podcast itself has got a ton of educational mm-hmm. um, stuff in it and some of it will be particular to Kansas and Missouri but the vast majority of it, majority of it is uh, universal and exactly. so especially it, the home buying series yeah, it, it's it's free education which we believe vehemently in and uh, and so certainly say hey look these people are from Kansas City uh, and you're in Paducah so, uh, but still, this is good information. The, the second thing is when uh, Becky mentions our referral network, uh, you know, we've talked to you guys uh, off and on about just the significant involvement that uh, the brokerage has, Jen in particular, but all of us do um, with other realtors, both at the local. Heck, we've had them on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, but, with, but but not just local ones, um, but uh, statewide, both yeah, Kansas absolutely. and Missouri. Taking it on the road to the Missouri Realtors Business Conference, and then from there, we also have, we haven't taken it on the road to Washington, D.C., but we might do that sometime. That's right. That could be in the future of Get Real KC. Get Real KC to D.C. There you <laughs> go. See, I'm already thinking. But we, do, but. 
we go to DC. We go. We go. Various members of the brokerage go to a variety of conferences where we meet other realtors and we find like-minded, high-quality realtors yes. that we establish relationships with. Yes. So. I'm not going to say everywhere in the country. I'm sure I could, you know, I, I don't know anybody in Provo. I don't know if you do, Jen, but, uh, I, you know, She's there's... Like, actually, <laughs> I know people in Alaska. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So so if if you uh, know Sarah, or, or, or like or, or uh, just want a recommendation so you're not, you know, throwing a dart at a phone book, that's showing my age. Yes. Nobody knows what a phone book is anymore. <laughs> He's looking at all Facebook uh, yeah, now. Yeah, he what's a like phone Facebook book? What much. is that? Um, is that Rolodex? Like an, We've had that conversation before, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and, uh, then what we can do is is that we can uh, refer you in with one of the realtors that we know across the nation that therefore establishes some level of trust that you can begin with. So don't hesitate to reach out to us or the realtor that you really trust uh, that's local and ask if they have any contacts that they trust in yep. other areas of yep. the state or country. It can yep. be really nerve-wracking. Like I know whenever I was searching for a personal advisor or a financial advisor and I know that that was kind of like a stressful situation because I obviously like I had people around me who knew people but just being able to find that on my own was kind of difficult and so I it's the same thing with a realtor like I obviously have good connections now because I'm in the industry but um whenever you're maybe not familiar with a place, you moved there alone or whatever it might be, it's kind of, it can be difficult to find the right person. So if you just know someone in another area, it doesn't hurt to give them a call and see who they know. So. Yep. Yep. All right. So Jen, um, there's, I'm trying to pick and choose from what I know of what's going on (laughs) in, 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 you know, uh, your specific world. And we don't talk a whole lot about, um, uh, commercial and or investment style properties. But I think it might be worth a, a little discussion right now because I know you're dealing with uh, selling some investment properties. And by that, I mean um, uh, multifamily buildings, et cetera. What do you got going on? Yeah, so we have some of our duplexes for sale. Uh, seven of the 10 of them are already under contract. We've had a, a lot of interest in them, a lot of different things, but the market's really healthy still for investment property. And we're just doing some shifting, and I may have some exciting news here in the next few coming podcasts. We'll see, but just kind of uh, how, how shifting that? things around a little bit and doing 1031 exchanges. I'm very specialized in the 1031 Um well, I don't know that I've done more than anybody in this area or not, but I've done a heck of a lot. Well, let, we'll come back to 1031 in a second. What's different about selling a duplex, which is typically purchased by someone who is going to have tenants in it, right? I know that some people... And there is tenants in it, so right. that makes it even more unique. Right. Uh, what, what's, what's different about that and the nature of that transaction versus a single family? The financing is different. The scheduling is different. What you're looking at is completely different. When you're looking at it from a home perspective, you're not looking at income, rate of return, a lot of these types of things. Uh, maintenance HOAs, you may be looking at those otherwise, but there's just a variety of fact. Leases are involved. You want to look at the leases. I mean, they're pretty intricate transactions that have a lot more moving pieces. And like I said, these properties are occupied. So add an additional layer of trying to schedule with multiple people versus just scheduling with one seller. Right. And it would be a typical maneuver. Um, uh, 
Well, it is even in regular transactions. And by regular, I mean, you know, your, your typical single family uh, residential transaction. But um, we always encourage our clients and generally, I would say, almost expect, you know, um, proof of financing. And mm-hmm. oh, yeah. we're d- So on, you know, and I know everybody doesn't agree with me and love this, but I am taking them in a tenant occupied property. Um, so before we proceed forward with my particular listings on investment, we need to agree on the numbers first, because in all honesty, that's why an investor is buying a property. So if you're not prepared to make the offer based on the numbers that we can already provide to you, we don't need to disturb occupied tenant properties. You can put a contingency upon your visual inspection in there, but you need to be willing to sign your ink on the line before I disturb my tenants. Because most of my tenants have been with me a long time and they've been very loyal, good payers. So I don't necessarily want to you know, take the parade through a tenant occupied property. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just seems like a slightly disrespectful, quite frankly, and I'm just not about that. Um, so the the level of seriousness from an investor buyer to look at properties should be very high. Um, Pre-approval for sure, an offer that has just a a contingency upon visual inspection. And and so... It's not that common, guys. You mean, I mean, you kind of looked at me like, what? No, but, you know, and a lot of agents, it's like, hey, you know, these, some of these tenants have been in these properties 10 years and they have been very nice, loyal amazing people and i'm not going out of my way it's like sometimes they think oh well, you can just do whatever and why can't you just go in when you want because that's not the way you treat anyone exactly right and that's kind of the 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 interesting thing it's when you are we always tell our buyer clients um i don't show buyer clients homes without them being pre-approved or on, on the rare case, it's like, you know, a family member or something, and I have a close personal understanding of their financial situation, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm not even sure I have that for my family members. <laughs> but uh, uh, so, yeah, I mean, they, they have to be, you know, uh, pre-qualified. And uh, that's to disturb uh, one homeowner who has elected to put their home on the market. And so we, we sort of demand, at least our brokerage does, hey, this is the level of respect that we're going to give somebody who's offered their home up before we go traipsing through it, right, and disturbing them and making them get it spotless and moving the cats and dogs and babies and whatever they're going to do and grandmas, you name it, um, grandpas. Uh, the, the level of disruption for tenants. Oh, they, they get... I mean, and who who aren't, by the way, they didn't choose to put their house no, up on the and, market. And most of them, unfortunately, do become upset at me. And it does. I, I mean, it tugs at my heartstrings a little bit. Well, it's um, change. And I, people don't of, like change. You know, yeah. I, these people obviously are very good. And um, I tend to be more than fair on my properties with the numbers that I am. And so the numbers that the market may bear may be very different from what someone is paying in a particular property that I have allowed them to stay in for an extended period of time. Um, but you know, why things just change life goes on and, uh, opportunities look different at, uh, my middle age than they did at my young age. When I started, I had some of these properties for like 15, 16, 17 years, um, you know, some of them I bought when they were very close to new and even some of these tenants, like I said, they've been, I came across the lease was 2010. 
you know? Right. So, yeah. well, um, and, and so now we're, now you're in a position. I, have, I tell every person that's coming to buy, I have mixed emotions about selling these. And I really do actually have mixed emotions about it. And at the end of the day, I don't have to sell them, which is a great position to be in. But the market is just such that it looked like, hey, let's take a look at what we're doing here. And we might share some of our other investing strategies in later podcasts. I'm not going to display that all right <laughs> now, but I've got some strategies that we're employing and some things that we're doing that are very, very exciting. So when you are just just kind of that just to take a peek in what goes in that scenario when when you are needing to go say hey you know I'm looking to buy this duplex I'm looking to buy this fourplex or even larger and now I do I need to see what I'm going to buy I, yeah last year I did another so my package personally is ten uh, I did a ten package in Independence last year and then. Um, also, last year, I think it was four fourplexes uh, that I did that honestly is its most interesting situation. I was basically raised on the fourplexes that I ended up selling for this particular investor. He'd bought some of them from my dad um, and then some of them for others. So, I mean, I've just had we don't talk about it a lot, Eric, but my right. multifamily and my apart. I used to own apartments. I mean, you name it, investment. It's pretty likely that I've probably done it, owned it, sold it, touched it, helped with it, mentored it, something. Yeah, so, and and so it's I mean it's really it's good for people to know that we yeah. we do that, but it's also important, particularly if you're just getting into buying these as as a as a new investor that there's there is frequently right I think from good landlords anyway uh, or or good agents uh, there there's a different set of expectations than oh, yeah. when you went out and bought the house for yeah. you and your family. Yeah, and we haven't really talked about it, but I do have a coaching program for investors, and it's got a lot of homework. Yeah. The coaching program has a lot of homework. And the reason is because you've really got to know to know to know to know to know, right? Like there's a mm. lot. And so when we have an hour long coaching session and I give you this information, I'm going to need you to come back prepared, right? Because this requires skin in the game. This requires sweat, blood and tears. It really does. I mean, yeah, it's just no. how it is. So, um, and you can be a, a long distance investor. Most long distance investors, that's not usually their first property. Sometimes it is, um, but a lot of times, you know, if they can't see it, touch it, feel it, taste it, all the things. Sure, at the, particularly when people are first brand starting new. out. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. probably so. You know, even yeah. then, they usually like I. I one of my uh, clients um, that's buying one of these duplexes, not local, flew in. Then next time, flew his dad in. <laughs> so, I mean, we've got, you know, lots of moving pieces here. Yeah. So that's, that's cool. That's good to know. What's and we closed on? the Branson deal. That was so yeah, exciting. I closed the deal my, crown, my fellow Crown Line boater friends. Woo, woo. Go Dave and family. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Memory Maker. That's actually, I don't think that's their boat name. I'm trying to think of who Memory Maker, that's their boat name. But um, anyways, known these people a long time. This is going to be a legacy property for them. I'm just extremely excited to go out and celebrate with them this weekend and to see the memories that are going to be made in this property. And I put a picture of the kitchen island because I'm like, oh, the stories that this island's going to be able to tell. <laughs> oh, that must be oh, so good. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, let's see. Uh, for myself, uh, got, you know, a, a few irons in the fire. The. Um, uh, probably the one just to, to we don't do it that often so stick a little bit with the investment theme is uh i'm working with a gentleman who uh has done this before but not for a while and not uh not consistently but he wants to uh start flipping homes and he's certainly got the skills uh and uh 
that that's been an interesting series of meetings where we've been able to um, because of my experience doing that, and of course, you know, also relying on the team and 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 their experience as well as we get together and talk through things, we've been able to uh, provide uh, essentially uh, a. a a financial guideline of, you know, like here are all your expenses. Uh, here are some estimates. Uh, now let's plug in, you know, if you were to buy a house at this amount and then feel like you could sell it at this amount, here's how long it'll be on the market, utility, et cetera, et cetera. And then I was able to essentially just build a spreadsheet with a couple of fields that uh, he needs to put in, you know, uh, expected purchase price, expected sales price, which would be my job yep. to help him with, and then expected cost of renovations. And then it just cascades through and very quickly he can look at it and go, is this good math? Is this is this fit what I want to get done? Yeah, yeah, a good investment for what I want to get done. And so that's something that an agent who's got some experience uh, working with investors on flips uh, will be able to do. Um you pointed out something in there that I did want to highlight, which is unique to investment properties, which is considering not only the offer price that you would buy it for, but after the renovations, knowing what renovations you're doing and how much value they add to the property. So when you flip it and sell it, what's that price going to look like when you sell it? And it's hard to do that because you never know what the market holds three, four, five, six months from now. But your agents hopefully. Pretty good guesstimates Yeah, though. exactly. I mean, Just, I used to fix and flip. The biggest hindrance I think now compared to when I used to do a lot of fix and flips is we used to be able to do them really, really quickly. Mm -hmm. And now supply chain, labor, just all the different things, you have a much larger allotment of time and interest expense right. than you used to have. Yeah. And and it's just a variety of factors, you know, which is interesting because it, it feels like life moves a lot faster, but mm -hmm. we move a lot slower. Yeah. Well, um, and and this is common across almost every industry, building included. You know, to build a house, we used to be able to build a house in six months, and now it's 12, pretty much consistently. One of the things Maybe that- Maybe longer that uh and and if you're so if you're thinking about giving me a shout because you want to do flips please do but one <laughs> of the things that uh i uh was was pretty uh, i'm pretty rock dead set in uh yeah. which maybe doesn't make me the the perfect money grabbing realtor is, is there are i go through a lot of homes with my buyer clients and we go through a lot of homes that have been flipped and there are good flips and there are bad flips. And it's pretty quick and easy to tell when somebody's done some shoddy work, when somebody's tried to cover something up. It's one thing if a person who is, uh, or a company that's flipping a home decides that the roof is fine and they're not going to deal with it. And so everything else is new, but not the roof. That's not necessarily on a flipping organization that they chose not to, you know, the roof seemed fine. It got a good inspection. We're not going to touch it. That's not a negative. Yeah. But when they cover things up or you see, just see poor craftsmanship, uh, when you see bad materials being used or inappropriate materials, uh, where essentially it looks like some aspect of it is a DIY, not professionally done, that's when I start to get nervous. And so one of the conversations I've had with this gentleman is, is that like, okay, what is your intent here? Are you intent to make homes that need some refurbishment and, and rehab 
quality homes for people in the price range you're going to end up in or or do you just want to slap a coat of paint on and try to make 10 grand or yeah. 50 grand or whatever it is and uh he's very committed to um making sure that anything he touches he does right does the code right he gets the inspections that he's required to get etc cetera, etc cetera. and uh so that sort of warms my heart, and yeah. uh, so. Um, well, you know this individual pretty well. So I do, but I, I've run into I ran into a situation in a home we were looking at talking to the listing agent, who uh, was essentially uh, under contract, but then uh, the young man's father got involved, saw that it was a flip, and said, "Under no circumstances can you buy a flip." That was the father's well, advice. That's like painting with a broad brush, and that's just right. And so that's kind of why I pointed out is is, yeah. is that if you're looking at something that's clearly been rehabbed for resale to make a profit, right? Everybody's in business to make a profit. Mm-hmm. Um, there are good ones and there are bad ones, and 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 know the difference. And if you don't know the difference, hopefully your realtor does. And if your realtor can't advise you, because of course they're not construction experts, I'm not a construction expert. Be sure and really vet the inspector. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, get a professional inspector and talk about all of that stuff. Uh, to, but but there's certainly flips to have confidence in, uh, and uh, it's okay that somebody has made something uh, modern and fresh and livable and fixed any known problems. And- Listen, I got an original 19, I believe it's 78 property on the market that went under contract. Pre-MLS, by the way, because it was sitting on land and they were like, you know, homes in this area are about half a million, right? But I'm telling you, from floor to joist to cabinets to faucets, we got original 1978 Prestige. Oh, I, I saw that house, didn't I? That's you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, the carpet? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, what about that? <laughs> hey, you like that wood-looking carpet the in carpet the has kitchen? A, looks like oh. it has a wood pattern on it. Everyone I mean, designed on purpose says like that. that they've never seen anything like That's it before. So... But it's in good condition, is it not? It is. It's in excellent it condition it's, for 1978. It's dated, but it's... <laughs> it's in, I know, but it's like it's probably the best 1978 condition I've ever seen, maybe. Yeah. I, I think it probably is. And, and all that to say... The people that are buying it, while they have done fix and flips, they are buying this particular property for their home. And I wouldn't necessarily expect anybody that's buying that house to not come in and renovate and make it beautiful. Right. Get rid of the carpet. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so it's, it's, it's a natural thing. And it's okay for people to do it for profit, too. Um, uh, but, you know... Just like anything that's been redone or even originally, let's face it, you know, there's no such thing as a a brand new construction home that doesn't have an issue or two. Yeah. So, so, uh, but yeah, don't turn your nose up at flips just because they've been flipped, but Mm -hmm. certainly go into a situation like you do any housing situation with your eyes wide open. Yes. Exactly. So that's great. Uh, all right. Well, uh, we're about to wrap up here uh, for this issue of today's dream. But uh, any any final thoughts? Anything cool going on? Any any last thing we want to talk about? Enjoy the spring. Exactly right. Yeah. So I'm excited for a lot of things. We got Advocacy Day coming up the end of uh, March, and then you know we'll have the Spring Business Conference in April. But we'll have more on all of that coming in in our next episodes. Really looking forward to it. All right, everybody. That's it. Another great episode of Get Real KC. Until next time. You have been listening to Get Real KC with Eric Jurgensen and Jen Justice. 
For more information or to contact our hosts, visit us at dreamhomesbygen.com where you can find more episodes exploring real estate as it matters to you.